Hey, it's Garbage Brain University. I'm Drew Toothpaste. I'm Natalie D. Today, we're talking... Time travel. Time travel. Into the future. Back into the back past future. <laughs> back to the way back. <sighs> think about it. Do you think we're going to be time travel? We're not going to be time travelers. We're never going to time travel. Us personally, no. No, no. We won't make it off the planet. We won't time travel. And honestly, that's fine by me. I don't think I want to do either of those things. I don't even like going on a plane. No. Mm-mm. I'm just like a regular old person. Uh, Earth person. <laughs> I just like staying here where I am. When they need me somewhere else, it it will happen without having to do all that shit. I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm going to stay here on this round ball using plastic products about 40 more years. Right. And I'm going to shed this meat part and continue on with whatever the fuck's going to go on. Turn into a rock, turn into a fish. I don't fucking know. Maybe I'll be like a robot or something. Nobody knows. We'll find out. (laughs) But I don't need a time machine to do it. First of all, before we get too far, Natalie, what is time travel? (laughs) Time travel is the concept of movement between certain points in time analogous to the movement between different points in space by an object or person. So it's like you go to a different point in history or the future, right? Yeah. And you would use a hypothetical device called a time machine. Like that is theoretically what you would need to use, right? Uh-huh. And so this is a concept that is recognized in philosophy and fiction and science fiction. And it's just something that people like to think about. I don't think that there's any kind of progress being made towards time travel. I don't think that we've completed any of the intermediary steps between here and time travel, even supposing that time travel as imagined in like Back to the Future or uh, a Yankee and King Arthur's Court. I don't think... Uh, that we've even achieved the basic steps of those because I think that involves controlling gravity and stuff. Probably. Right. That's my guess. Right. So it's like, do you think aliens are... I mean, that obviously is my first question. Do you think aliens are time travelers? I think that's a really good question. And what we know or what we've deduced from our understanding in the universe is that space and time are linked. That's why we talk about space-time and the space-time continuum, right? Right. Like, you get up close to a black hole, there's a lot of gravity, and the gravity causes shit to work differently in Einstein-type physics, right? When you have a huge amount of gravity, time changes. Uh Uh-huh. A black hole also warps the fabric of space, right? Uh Uh-huh. So you have something where no light is escaping from it because gravity is so strong, so it's also warping you know what you would think of as the the typical the typical laws of what happens at our speed below the speed of light right i think that it is possible for sentient beings to manipulate space and time or space time together but i have a problem with the idea of straight up back to the future time travel yeah yeah because the most fundamental problem i keep running into whenever i think about time travel is the Earth is in a different place than it was yesterday. Right. Not only has the Earth rotated and revolved around the sun, but the universe is moving. Mm-hmm. If you were to imagine a central static point, different parts of the universe are are moving in relation to that point. Right. And in relation to each other. As far as we know. Right? Because we've never been anywhere. Right. We've been... To the moon a little bit. My issue with time travel is whenever I think about time travel, I think about what the implications would be of, like, if you went back in time, but you didn't go that far back in time. Like, you went six months back in time, you know? Yeah. Even, like, a few weeks back in time. Yeah. Keep myself from eating those tacos. So, that you, you, I mean, that is my question. Like, what, what would happen if there were two of you then? Well, I think that's... I think that's something that is always explored in fiction that deals with time travel, because it is an interesting idea. It's like the question, if there were two of you, would you have a (laughs) three-way? I might. No, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. You wouldn't? Uh, If there were two, if there were, I know, we've already... If there's a three-way with all me's? Oh, all... No, no, no. I go back in time a little bit and get one of me, and then we go back a little farther. You put her in the time machine with you? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about that. That's called the triple dip. Right. (laughs) 
scientists have not even thought about this one. <laughs> so I can have a three-way with myself, like, in the past. It yeah. already happened. Oh, my, oh my God. And then it, it's all <laughs> happening in the past. It already happened. You missed it. <laughs> Life is what happens when you're making other plans, I guess. <laughs> so that's, uh, those but are the I kind think, of issues I think about when I think about time travel. So let's say, in I mean, the platonic idea of the time machine is like a cylinder from the fly or a box like Doctor Who, right? right? It's just a small chamber you get in and just within there and then it opens and you step out and you are in a different time. Right. Uh, like I said, my fundamental problem is that everything in the universe has moved. So if you were to time travel back a day or a year or 10 years, assuming that whatever physics you've got are dealing with the flow of time and puts you in the same space that you were in 10 years ago, you'd be in space. Right. Or you could be, you know, if you traveled slightly back in time, you might be inside the earth. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. So, okay, here's a question. Okay, so my, my other issue with the time traveling is that if time travel was possible, wouldn't we have already met time travelers? Yeah. They would have yeah. showed up. But then when I think that to myself, I think if time travel was possible, there would probably be rules about being able to interact with people. Or what if time travel isn't like our physical bodies traveling? What if it is something that we can use like a scientific instrument to, uh -huh. to view like the papal chronovisor? Uh-huh. So I think you're getting closer. I think you're getting closer to I think that idea. would be more likely to be possible is being able to have some kind of scientific tool like a telescope, but for time, right? I think you're getting closer to something that is possible. Stephen Hawking said he did this where he announced it and he made him put it in the paper. He said, I'm having a time traveler Reddit meetup or whatever. Right, right. On, on this day, 2012, I think was the year. And he said, well, nobody showed up, so... This was the time, and we put it out in the papers that this, if you're a time traveler, you come to this date and this place. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that goes a long way to satisfying the the logical question of if there's a time traveler, why haven't we seen one yet? Mm -hmm. And they've done similar things, but... I started thinking, well, where do they always do these things? They always do these things at like MIT. Mm -hmm. yeah. They always do these things at like Harvard. Smart guy school. And I don't know. And then I started thinking about like that time I met all those people from MIT and I was like, oh, these guys are like level seven nerds. Yeah, right. <laughs> like this is really putting a bad wax on this whole situation, man. I don't think I can go to this place and hang out with people like this. Right. This is not going to do it for me. So like, if you were a very cool time traveler and you were like getting all these energy, cause I'm imagining it, it you would probably need to find energy crystals. Obviously. Cause if we're, if we're talking step out of the time machine in medieval Europe and explaining electricity to people, yeah, you would need energy crystals of some sort. Sure. So going around and that's a lot of labor and you can't time machine your way out of finding the crystals. You gotta, that's. <laughs> some real boots on the ground work, right? Right. I don't think you would want to do all that to go to MIT and then have nerds be like, oh, it is so epic bacon. You are here, my dude. <laughs> right, right. Especially considering that we live in a time when people are continuously making up hoaxes and I'm never sure quite why, but people make up hoaxes about UFOs and people make up hoaxes about time travelers. Do you remember John Titer? I do. I remember John Titer because I was on some message board where he was posting. I was like engrossed with it. I was like, he just showed up out of nowhere and he was just posting on there. Well, he was someone on the internet and he called in to Coast to Coast uh -huh. and he was posting online and this was ongoing and people were interacting with this guy and he was answering questions. 
He claimed his name was John Titer and that he had come from some point in the future. Yeah. And he was answering people's questions. Of course, I mean, he was making, this was like 20 years ago, and he was making predictions about what was going to happen. Of course, none of them came true, but then... Should we look up a list of his predictions? Yeah, if you if you want. <laughs> I, I think what happened was he posted and he said, well, you know, there's going to be a big world war in 2015, or there's going to be like some kind of mass starvation in 2008 or something. <laughs> like none of this, none of this stuff happened. He was continuously hedging his bets by saying, now, this is how it went down in the universe I'm from. <laughs> But there's like more than one universe in the multiverse, man. So like maybe it didn't work out. So like if my predictions didn't work out, it's just because it's a different universe, man. Let's see. He predicted uh, upcoming civil war in the United States having to do with order and rights. He described it as beginning in 2005 with civil unrest surrounding the presidential election of that year. So first of all, the fact that he thought that there was an election in 2005 might have tipped people off. (laughs) Um, He said that the civil war would start with Waco type events every month until it got steadily worse and erupt by 2008. Uh, He said that the United States would be split into five regions in 2015. Yeah. And in 2015, there would be a brief but intense World War III. Yeah, that must have just been in his universe. Apparently something would happen in World War III that would cause Omaha, Nebraska to be the new U.S. capital. And that was caused by border clashes and overpopulation. Yeah, man, there's a lot of open space around Omaha. I don't think there's an overpopulation problem in Nebraska. Right, that's right. So he, he basically predicted a bunch of like vaguely threatening stuff that didn't happen so yeah he did and then he hedged it by saying well you know but you know how time travel works is you know the you know different universes and stuff man so like (laughs) i'm just telling you what happened to me right right Uh, yes, I like the idea of there being something where you could just, like, dial it up, though. Like, there's that—I think we talked about the chronovisor on here before, didn't we? Yeah, so the idea is that—is it in the Vatican? It's in the Vatican. It was, like, some priest and some physicist— and the physicist was some guy. He was some he was some so and so. Like I don't remember if he worked on the Manhattan Project or he worked on something crazy, right? It was some so and so scientist guy and some priest made the chronovisor. And it was like some machine where you could it was like a TV where you can watch history. Like any point in history. And it had like a picture of Jesus from it. Because he went back and watched the crucifixion. Because obviously that's what you would do if you were a Vatican Oh, yeah. Guy. That, I mean, honestly, that's the first thing. If I went to the Vatican and they let me dig up anything, I'd be like, I'm going to go straight for the control group. Right. I'm going to go hit year, what, 30, 33, 28, somewhere in there. He was like, <laughs> he was like Kurt Cobain-ish age. Mm-hmm. Drop me in. Let me see it go down. And then we'll go from there, brother. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but so you could you could see anything. Now this, obviously, if you've got such a thing, we're not talking about guys with a sphere of uranium and jabbing their screwdriver in the demon core and stuff. Right. We're not that level of technology. We're talking alien shit. There has to be alien shit in there. But theoretically, you can observe a lot of the universe, right? Right. And given the state of the universe now, can you predict what the universe looked like 10 minutes ago? Probably, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know how stuff bounces around. If you had a sufficiently powerful way of calculating everything that happened, you would be able to say, okay, this is pretty likely that this is what happened 10 minutes ago. Right. And the smaller the system, the easier it is, right? Like we're, we're here in a room and 10 minutes ago, the room was basically also like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the state of this room now, if you go back five years, the room was mostly like this. Our stuff was moved around different. If you go back 20 years, we didn't live here. There was some other people shit in here. If you go back 50 years, this room wasn't here. Right. So the further you go back, the less probability you have and the more you would have to back calculate to find out what happened. But the idea that you could back calculate and find out is is theoretically possible. 
Right. I think that is a lot more cohesive of an idea than moving a box of a person through time and then the person hops out and then they come back to the present time. Right, right. Because physically being in a location, you run into all the back the future type problems. Your parents start fading out. Yeah. You kiss your own grandpa, all that shit that everybody says makes time travel impossible. Right, right, right. Well, that idea that you were talking about where you're saying how, you know, you can go back in time like five years and it was like a little bit different and 10 years it was like pretty different and then 20 years it was like not like pretty different. Like, you know, the farther back it goes, the probability is lower that it's going to be the same, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's less likely that you're going to be able to project what it was back then, right? Yeah. And that is the same reason why things like magic like when people talk about magic as an I, I, as a idea of like controlling things that happen to you, right? Is because you're using that concept of having this stuff happen behind you, mm-hmm. only applying it to, it to things in the future, right? Because you can predict pretty easily that you know what what it's going to be like at your house tomorrow, what it's going to be like at your house two years from now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the farther into the future you go the less likely it is that you know what's going to happen. But by visualizing things in the future, being in a a certain state, it's like collapsing the wave function around what it is that you want to happen. Well, yeah, you you know, there's the observer effect, which is something that is... part and parcel of quantum mechanics. Right. So you have different, you have different probabilities. So, I mean, if the chronovisor could reconstruct what happened in the past, you'd imagine that they could be able to see what's going to happen in the future as well. Right. Which may be why a couple of years ago, Pope Francis is like, he did the Colombo thing. He was leaving, he was leaving the balcony and then he goes, oh, one more thing. Aliens are God's children too. Amen. Peace. <laughs> Yeah, peace be <laughs> peace be unto you. He mm-hmm. totally would. Mm-hmm. He would say peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows some shit's up. If anyone knows what's going on, it's probably the Pope. So okay, you're in the basement of the Vatican, mm-hmm. like Pee Wee Herman. Right. You're dialing up the chronovisor. You hit year thirty to make sure that it's, it's... calibrated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, man. There's a bunch of Greeks on here. You got some. You got. Well, you know what? What if the Vatican? What if the Vatican keeps the chronovisor hidden? Because when you go back to look for Jesus, he's not there. Hmm. Otherwise, they would give it up to science, and science could have a field day with it. But since it doesn't prove what they like, they're hiding in the basement with all the other good stuff. Well, I also think that there's science, and then there's science. I think that there's regular scientists who are who are in the lab doing lab work and they work for companies that are making tennis shoes and basketballs. Right, sure. And I think there's this very like normal industry of science that exists and then I think there's like elite hidden science. Yeah. I think all, like all the private companies that have all the materials that are that are recovered from like UAPs, just all this stuff where, you know, like Battelle here in Columbus is known to have all of this material and is, has generated all of this technology, like, mysteriously. Yeah, right. Just They just happen to be the ones who figure out all this groundbreaking shit, right? So I think that... <laughs> I think that a very few number of government contractors like that have access to the Vatican and have access to this stuff. But I think looking into the past is a lot easier than going there because you know that they have to keep this shit. If there was actual time travel, they would have to. I don't know what they would do to keep it out of the hands of the CIA. Because the CIA would just start loading their their rifles up and go back in time to just take another shot. Right. I I really don't think it's possible for you to bodily travel into time. I I honest I don't think that's possible. Well, so there is something that we know of that exists that is measurable on Earth, and that is time dilation. Uh-huh. Now, first of all, I want to say, I just want to get this out of the way. I got a, a buddy and I was talking about smoking weed with him once. This was a very long time ago. And he's like, you know what You know what it boils down to for me? I like smoking weed because of time dilation. And I was like, yeah. He's like, you smoke weed 
and you get real high and then everything just seems to take way longer. You could sit there and it feels like you're sitting there for an hour and you look over and it's like five minutes. So between when I got off work and go to bed, it's like I have 30 hours. <laughs> it makes sense, man. <laughs> it's like, that's cool, man. I like to do it because it makes my arms feel like they're longer. <laughs> Scientific time dilation is not that, right? Right. No, that is like when there is a difference in elapsed time measured by two clocks that is caused to relative velocity between them. So, like, that would be kinetic time dilation or a difference in gravitational potential between their locations. So, like, you would have something at sea level versus the very, very top of a tall tall thing, right? And then those two clocks would would not be measuring exactly the same time. Because the gravitational field at sea level is stronger than the gravitational field, uh, you know, a few thousand feet up, right? Right, right. And so gravity affects the flow of time. So that's, you know, space and time are linked. Uh But I know that that astronauts travel so fast, they have kinetic time dilation. They are traveling so fast. It's not even... They don't get anywhere close to the speed of light. Right, right. But they go so fast for so long that by the time they come back to Earth, they've, I don't remember whether they've aged more or less, but they are aged very slightly differently from the people on Earth Mm -hmm. that weren't moving so fast. And you would imagine that somebody living under an intense gravitational field might age at a different rate compared to somebody elsewhere, right? So does time work differently on different planets? I never thought about it, but it must. The different gravitational field that you would have on Mercury or Jupiter or whatever would affect the flow of time, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why black holes are are so funky with space and time right right because it's such an intense gravitational field Hmm. now i the math of the gravitational waves and stuff is just it's beyond me absolutely (laughs) it's not casual reading Mm -mm. and unless you're doing something with it it's really hard to dig in and read all the little variables and stuff right right and especially, it's like kind of something you can't really mentally picture, which makes it even harder. Like, what, what would the gravitational field look like? I mean, I think we're we're very much, as a species, I think we're bumping up against our limits. Right. <laughs> I mean, give us credit. Right. We got really far with what we have, but I think the human... The human species is exactly uh, what do you what do you call it? There's a name for it when you rise up to a certain level in a in a hierarchical company. You rise up to a certain level at which you are at which you can no longer be promoted because you are so incompetent at what you're doing. Right. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> Perhaps I've met that level at my own podcast. <laughs> Maybe somebody in the Discord will remember the name of this idea. But I think humans are at that point evolutionarily. Like, we've gotten as far as we can. But I just think, for example, people really often cannot do things for the survival of the species. Right. They are very capable of trying very hard to do what they personally want. Right. In the short term, people often even have problems with long-term goals for themselves. Right. And so I think we've risen to this level. The idea of us visualizing a gravitational wave field is like, (laughs) don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. I don't think anybody can do that, Natalie. It's just like... It's just like, and we've talked about this before, there's the idea where you're a baby and there's stuff around you and you touch the stuff. And then one day somebody explains to you that it's made up of like molecules. So it's just made up of billions, trillions, quintillions of molecules, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all really small and they're just little dots. And you're like, wow. And then somebody's like, actually, inside each molecule is a bunch of different colored dots. <laughs> and then you're like, a word? <laughs> Why not, baby? <laughs> and then they're like, and each one of those colored dots is a little nucleus and there's shit spinning around it in there. And then you're like, oh my God. And they're like, and those are atomic particles. And you're like, oh my God, that's as small as it gets. And then they say yes. And then in two years they come back and they say, actually, <laughs> 
inside each of those. Son of a bitch! <laughs> we have these structures where we envision what is happening, and they're just little dipping dots. The whole universe is dipping dots. Right. Just little dots bouncing around, and that's probably not actually what is happening. <laughs> Well, it's just the way that science has decided to, to have you visualize it because it's the closest that we are able to understand. That's like a lot of the stuff with occultism. It's like a lot of the weird imagery and like art and stuff and the stuff with like the symbols and all that shit. It's not for any other reason but to trick your brain into thinking about things that are beyond what you're supposed to be able to think about. Yeah, yeah. Assigning a symbol to it and then manipulating the symbol is the same thing as doing math or working with physics. Sure, sure. But it's the same thing. You gotta trick your brain and so I want to find a way to trick my brain into visualizing the gravitational field. Well, so we can only see in two dimensions. There's an idea of depth perception, but if you've got two objects and they're in front of each other, you still can't see the one behind it. Right. <laughs> You might be able to tell that it's further away based on uh, however that works, how your brain processes your images coming from your two eyes, right? So we can only see in two dimensions and we walk around in three spatial dimensions. So we can't even see the shit that we know is for sure here. Right. Oh, there's so much stuff that is here that we cannot, we cannot see. Just the dimensions beyond those three dimensions. And then we cannot see time, right? Mm -hmm. We can see the effects of time, you can drop a ball and know where it's gonna go. Right. <laughs> you can drop a ball and you know that when you check back, the ball will have moved in the direction it's gonna go because of gravity and that happens over time. You watch it accelerate over time, right? There's just no way that we're ever gonna be able to directly observe the universe being what it is. A likely explanation, although this is probably still, you know, just a just nudging us ever slightly further toward the truth, nowhere near it, mm -hmm. is that there's like a field because there's dark energy and dark matter. There's just a field and there, there are like symmetrical disturbances in this field of mass. Mm -hmm. And a disturbance in a field of mass creates what we think of as a particle. Right. But so the way that we look at atoms, you've got your nucleus, you have your electrons spinning around them, right? This is something that's fucking weird with time dilation. You've got your nucleus of your neutrons and protons in the middle of the atom. Let's say you have hydrogen atom, very small nucleus, one electron, mm -hmm. right? It's zipping around. That electron in a hydrogen atom is probably going probably like less than 1% of the speed of light. Right. But as you get heavier and heavier atoms, the very lowest energy electron, it's called an, an electron shell or whatever, but the very lowest energy electron goes faster faster and faster and faster. In fact, on an atomic scale, the number representing the speed of light on the atomic scale is 137 units, which implies if we ever found element 137, that the 1s electron in that atom would be traveling at the speed of light. Oh. This also is very interesting because do you remember what Bob Lazar had? Yeah, he had 115. Element 115, which is heavier than than anything we know of right now, anything stable we know of right now, but the lowest energy electron in that would be moving very close to the speed of light. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think uh, once you get up into like gold and silver and stuff, they start going 40, 50, 60% of the speed of light, and that's a significant amount. Right. It's like exponential as you approach the speed of light, but the, the relativistic effect Effects. Yeah. And so this means that whatever we experience as, as time dilation, we can, me and you can buy two precision clocks and you can go up to the top of the Empire State Building and we can do the little thing where you stay up there for 11 years and come down and you're like, wow, my clock's different. Right. Right. Meanwhile, every single fucking electron in every atom of your body is experiencing this time distortion because it's going so fast. Right. So you are like a bundle of, of quintillions of tiny little like time bubbles happening simultaneously. And the fabric of space-time is warping because just even your particles are moving so fast that it's fucking stuff up. Yeah, hmm, 
That's something to think about. Just like on a planetary scale, you get a black hole、mm-hmm. or you get something that is warping space and time. The idea is that if you find something that you can warp space time, then all you do is you warp the space. You don't actually have to travel the speed of light. You warp space around you and you basically stay in one point and you effectively move faster than the speed of light. Right. That's how、comparison. spaceships go. That's how, that's how spaceships go, right? Well, that's a, th- that's a theory. That's called the Alcubierre drive. Yeah. yeah. And、uh, interesting. Interestingly, just last week, DARPA announced they had done that. Yeah.、Uh-huh. They called it a warp drive because why would you give credit to the guy who invented it? <laughs> Let's call it Star Trek instead of the guy who theorized it in the 90s. Right. But basically creating a little temporal distortion in this little tiny area. But that's, that's what you need. You, you figure that out and you move forward from there. Right. So、uh, philosophers have argued that the idea of relativity and traveling into the past or the future would imply that the past and the future exist always. Okay. I, I could see that, yeah. I've thought before that, like, when people talk about having near death experiences, right? Yeah. They talk about this thing where it's like they can see their whole life at once. Yeah. And so, to me, that kind of makes it seem that once you leave your three dimensional body, then you perceive time more as a singular point as opposed to like a chain of, po- of points. I could, I could see that. I've had that happen to me just once. And it was in a situation where I thought I was going to die. And I am not sure why it happened. I was actually very surprised that that was a real thing.、Mm-hmm. I just assumed that was a turn of phrase. <laughs> and I've, I've read people describing it as your brain. I mean, obviously, you've got adrenaline and you're just trying to find a way out of it, right?、Mm-hmm. Your brain is just going fast and everything slows down. Your perception of time slows down, slows to a crawl. And I've heard it explained as your brain trying to find a memory of what you did the last time that this happened. Yeah. <laughs> But you've never, you've never had a near death experience before. And so you're searching fruitlessly. So your brain is just replaying everything you've ever done that you can remember.、Uh-huh. And that's, that is indeed what it feels like. Like a singular point all time. No, it felt sequential. It's just when you're flying through the air in a car and you realize you're crashing in a car and then your brain just replays like about a thousand memories to you just in succession and you see all of them in order and it feels like it took more than half a second. Right. Although right. it must have only taken half a second. Right. And that's just, that's like perceptual time dilation. I don't know that it means. Anything in regard to how the global consciousness processes time. But if what you told me, and I don't remember if we talked about this on here, but the idea of the brain as receiver and transmitter rather than the brain as, you know, storage facility. <laughs> right. Now, it seems like it would be a lot easier for the brain to just maintain local storage. And to just keep your memories in your brain when you need them, you get them back out. Right, right. right. But I think there have been a few little experiments that suggest that there may be something more going on with the brain than just the brain is a computer. Because when you go back, the earliest models for the brain said, well, the brain is like an amphora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you go for it, and they say, well, no, the brain is like an adding machine. <laughs> yeah, right. And you go through the, the technology, and they're comparing it. And now everybody accepts the contemporary explanation that the brain is like a computer. Right. Your memories are stored on your hard drive, which is in this part of your brain. And your emotions come from this other app, which is in this part of your brain. Right, right, right. But it's entirely possible that. It's being stored in the cloud somewhere. Right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of a mind that it's stored in the cloud. I think we talked about this relatively recently, but there have been sets done on, on two groups of rodents where they had identical mazes thousands of miles away. Groups of rats that were from the same lab, but they had not met. They did not do the experiment together. They separated the rats. On one group of rats, they ran them through the maze. They did the thing where they give them the treats and they ran them through the maze until all the rats had. 
completed the maze and they had memorized how to get through the maze. Mm -hmm. Very classic lab experiment. They took the times of how long it took the rats the first time, how long it took them like as a median measure to get through the maze, et cetera, et cetera. They took the other group of rats that were related to these rats, came from the same lab as these rats, came from the same facility, but had not done the maze. And they presented them with the identical maze and the second group of rats, after the first one, thousands of miles away, solved the maze. The second group did it faster. Mm -hmm, right. The implication of that is interesting. There's no explanation for why that would be. But the implication is that all this stuff is stored off-site. Now, going back to the chronovisor. Right. <laughs> if everybody's memories of everything are stored off-site, the chronovisor might not be, you know, peeling back the onion of of space-time to get back to the year 30. It might just be pointing to the cloud and picking out some guy's memory who was watching Jesus. Right, right. And, I mean, if you think about it also, like, you can have, like, brain surgery where you get a large portion of your brain removed, and it does not affect your ability to remember stuff it does not affect like the basic functioning that you, of your of your communication and perception of the world right and it does not it does not affect your ability to recall stuff if it yeah. was if it was a computer and you removed a big hunk of it, it of course it would it would get fucked up right yeah but if all it's doing is picking up a signal i believe it i believe that your brain picks up your consciousness as a signal but then obviously it also has functions where it has like neurological shit where like works with the moving of your body. That's like... Well, you do need your brain. I agree. Right. <laughs> well, there was a guy. There was a guy in France, regular guy, and grew up average intelligence, average guy. I think he ended up, he was 27 years old, and he goes to the doctor for something. I got these headaches. I got these headaches. He goes to the doctor, French doctor, I'm assuming. <laughs> Probably. And they can't figure out what's going on. They send him in for an MRI. He has no brain. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. The vast majority of his cranial space is fluid. He has hydrocephalus, which is, you know, root word, water on the brain. Right. Right? But have you seen the meme that says, instead of thoughts, there is just dark space? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what this guy had. But he was an average guy. He, he, His intelligence was tested to be roughly average. He had a job and a family. Mm -hmm. He just didn't have a fucking brain. Now, what's up with that? If that was a computer you can't just boot up an apple II or an old sinclair and just plug it into ethernet and hop online it doesn't fucking work like that right right so the brain cannot possibly be a computer if you can have almost no brain and still be totally fucking normal mm -hmm. well that's what i was trying to say before is that your brain doesn't have anything to do with with your ability to do your thing right receive your transmission so here's a question. So getting into a cylinder and hopping out in 1981 to buy Apple stock is probably n not plausible in any way. Right, right. But if everybody's shit is in the global consciousness and everybody just has a different frequency or whatever, I'm not claiming to know the protocol of the global consciousness. It's probably a TCP kind of technology. <laughs> Lots of acknowledge packets or whatever. I think that it's entirely possible for you to perceptually travel through time. I think that is possible. Mm -hmm. I think it would be possible for you to tap into somebody else's visual memory of being in 1981. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible for you to tap into someone or a collective visual memory of being in 1681. Right. Now, can you go to your global consciousness and tap into the memory of being in 2181? I don't know. That depends on what time is, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> I, it's entirely, considering we basically don't know anything about the universe, and as a species, all we do is eat hot chip and lie, I think that it is entirely possible that time may not be what we think it is with our tiny little radios and our two-dimensional eyeballs. Right, right. <laughs> I think it's entirely possible. I think that, I think time is not what you think it is. 
I think that if you remove us from the equation and and you remove the degradation of material objects from the equation, then how would you even know it existed? Well, we wouldn't. No. Right. right. (laughs) No, we have no way of directly perceiving time. Right. The only thing we can perceive is like the degradation of the things around us. Yeah. Well, so I, I think it might be possible if you were to see a ghost what's to say that that's not just you tapping into someone else's memory right maybe you're getting a little global consciousness you're getting like a little bit of a glitch with your transmissions man and i think that the thing with the global consciousness also i think that i think is very compelling to think about and like i think is probably uh probably not a totally negative way of looking at things but But the more I think about it, the more I think that it's just a universal consciousness and all human beings are just like radios picking up the transmission, right? Everybody has the basic parts. Everyone has the the radio that they need in order to pick up the universal consciousness. And everybody is exactly the same. And the only differences between people have to do with the different things that happen to their particular meat car in their lives. Well, sure. Right? Well, everybody... I think that the idea... that I think that feeds into the idea that that ego and feeling like you have, like, something that is unique and special plays into that also, right? So I think the idea... I mean, well, the idea of ego is that you believe that because you have a radio... Right. ...that you are an individual and... That is not why you would be an individual. You're an individual because of your experiences and whatever you have biologically going on. Right, right. But I think that people think that when you die, what happens is that you die and then like a single a single packet of consciousness that was associated with you personally goes on somewhere else. Up. Right? <laughs> it, or it's put into something else, right? Just yeah. as a, Just like as a unit, like a battery, right? Yeah. But I think it was probably more like, you know, you have all the radios over the whole planet and they're all tuned into the same radio station, right? And then one of the radios breaks. Like, nothing changes at all. The radio station is still there. Yeah, somebody can't listen to their tunes. I mean, but, like, can't they? They can get a different radio and it's going to be pick up the same shit. Yeah, that's just like, I'm going to be back. Right. I got I got more where this came from. Right, right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, the idea that the singular unit, like, the singular unit of, like, humanity matters is, like, I think is probably not true. So the question is, why is that being sold to us? Because it's like something to trap us with. Mm. Can, can you imagine, like, if you have like no fear of death, if you realize that you have like nothing to fear in your own death, and that it doesn't matter, and that you're just you're still here anyway, regardless of what happens, and then you, and you you're always here, you always have been here, you always will be here, right? Yeah. And it does not matter. It fucking doesn't matter. Like if you are truly able to like believe that, then no one can control you. That's that's true. I mean, that's I mean, that's my whole basis of my whole shit. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I would like to I would like to live longer only only to learn more while while I'm older and I'm more able to absorb information than when I was like younger and more skittish and like less likely to pursue stuff like that. Like that is my only interest in like cuz I'll be back and everything's going to be fucking same. Everything's always been the same. Everything will always be the same. Well, so this I want to bring up something you asked me earlier is Do I think that aliens are just humans from the future? I don't think they are. I've actually thought about that on multiple occasions, and I I think I agree with you. I'm not sure that they are. I feel like there was a guy pushing this theory for a while that he thinks that all the little guys flying around are just humans from the future. And I think his main line of reasoning was, think about it, who likes humans more than humans? Right. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's true, though. I think that, like, the UAPs, like, the Tic Tac shit, I think is all interdimensional stuff that we're not able to comprehend what it is. We're not even close to knowing what it is. I think it, I think it's possible that a lot of the UAP stuff is, like, I think the government will admit that it's stuff they don't know, and I don't think we're ever going to find out what it is. No, I think there's no... It's not no... for us to know, I don't think. <laughs> You know, when I when I was little, my dad told me he wanted to write a book. And now in retrospect, I'm not sure why he didn't write the book. But he said, you know, I want to write a book and I want to explain. And, and just for backstory, my dad was an atheist. Right. And he was not a very flexible thinker. He was incredibly smart, but was did not have a very flexible way at looking at the world or at other people or anything. He was one of those people where he determined the correct thing 
that is the correct answer to something and then that's it, mm-hmm. right? Anyway, but he's he was an atheist and uh, he said, I got this idea for this story and God comes down, God comes down to earth and he's and he's talking to one guy. He just wants to he just wants to talk to one guy. So he picks a regular fucking guy and he's talking to the guy and the guy is like, "Look, God, you got to explain the world to me, man. Like this shit is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why did you do everything the way that you did?" God says, "Here's what I'll do. You go out into my creation and you find a dog and you explain the story of Cinderella to the dog." You don't tell the story of Cinderella to the dog. You explain it to the dog in a way that the dog understands the abstract concepts behind the story of Cinderella. Mm -hmm. When you have done that, bring the dog to me and I will explain the universe. (laughs) Right, right. We're so many orders of magnitude behind understanding the way that the fabric of the universe works, that the whole human species is like Dunning-Kruger, okay? We've made a hundred billion fucking people. We've had like 12 smart ones and 11 of them went on to work for the military. (laughs) Right, so they weren't that smart. We had a few smart guys. One of them figured out that light always shines at the same speed, and he's the smartest guy of all time. Right, right. He figured out one fact about the universe, and he's the best, because nobody else has any fucking idea. Well, why would we have any idea about what was going on in the universe? We're not even we're not able to perceive the universe beyond like seeing stars. Yeah, and what I'm saying is I just think that generally humans believe they understand the universe and they understand what is happening because they can understand the emergent properties of like their neighborhood. Right. <laughs> that I think people read about general concepts maybe even if they're learned they might read general concepts and believe they understand what is happening but i think we're dunning krugering this shit to the point where we have learned a very tiny bit about the universe we've struggled through arrowheads and casting steel and uh, trying to turn uh you know urine into phosphorus or whatever we did for hundreds <laughs> of years and finally we figured out that light shines at the same speed we got a very tiny tiny minuscule fraction of a nugget of knowledge in the universe and we're like okay now we're advanced right right we shot like six rockets to the moon we put a remote control car on mars you can't stop us (laughs) right and i mean i mean so much of the outer space stuff and we talked about this before so much of the outer space stuff to me is like so much of a non-issue and so much of a like non-starter for me because like the amount of fuel you would need to actually do space exploration with like people involved would immediately strip the planet completely. Yeah, that, <laughs> that'd pretty much be it. So why? So why are we even shooting for it? Because it's like we're not. That's not something we're going to be able to support. It's a feel-good thing. It's doing something to feel like you have some power. Because lurking beneath all of this is the fact that we're not in control of our destiny as a species and well yeah but but, i mean it goes back to the thing where we're not in control of our destinies everyone is going to die and it's guaranteed and it doesn't matter yeah so like let's just accept that and then we stop being wasteful and we can like live in the present and appreciate like stuff in the present look man just put my food in cardboard boxes and let me party (laughs) straight up right I know the secret version of scientists are like bending metal and watching it bend back and they're like, damn, I wish I was an alien. Right, right. Oh, damn, I would know how this shit worked. Right. (laughs) What'd you learn today about time travel? Nothing, because it's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if time travel were true in the classical sense, I don't think I would be interested. I don't know. I mean, it's a cute concept. I don't think classical time travel would appeal to me. I do deeply. Ever since I heard about the concept, the chronovisor in the basement of the Vatican, I want to go see it. If it still works, take me there. 
There's only 800 people in the Holy See. It's the smallest sovereign nation on the planet. Mm -hmm. There's only 800 people there. You know, they bring out shows. Do you know how many people watch Breaking Bad? Think about how many more people would want to see any event ever. Right. I would absolutely sign up for a subscription to any event ever. I think that if the Vatican would allow people to actually see human history, I think we might take a tiny step forward as a species. Like I said, I think that they never will because I think if they give us access to that, the whole house of cards would fall apart. I think just the amount of information we would get from Dealey Plaza in 1963. Right, right. I think that would blow the whole thing up. How many religions would fall apart? How many power structures would collapse? Yeah. How many party lines that they use to control people would completely collapse? Everything like that. Everything that would control people would collapse. Now, in a perfect world, you're right. I think that there's a possibility, given that they released all the UFO stuff and nothing happened and nobody cares, I think there's a possibility that people would just watch stuff on the Chronovisor. And then you would get people who would be like, share this. If 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 you got on the Chronovisor and saw that the whole Archduke Franz Ferdinand thing was total sham, share this. <laughs> We need to let Austria-Hungary know what's right. <laughs> Do you know who would be the best at viewing any event ever from any space or time? I'd probably Corey Grella. She really has a knack for planning. <laughs> she would know the way to point the sleigh. Right. I think, does. just give her controls. I'm imagining, I don't know what you imagine the chronovisor to be. I imagine it to be like one of those Victorian stereographs. Do you know those where you look through it and it's a, a photo that is taken from two different angles and you hold this wooden device up to your face and you get a 3D picture? Yeah. I imagine it's that and then it's bolted to something that has Street Fighter controls. <laughs> I imagine it like a regular old big TV, like a like one ones with the tubes. Yeah. And with extra knobs on it. Yeah. If you need to know how to <laughs> dial that sucker in, Corey Grella is going to help you. Yes, the fucking manual for it. She knows what's up. She's the supervisor of the chronovisor. <laughs> if you were going to pick a time and a place to go, Natalie. Harlem Township right now, baby. <laughs> Right now, <laughs> Harlem Township, comma, present day is what it'll say at the bottom of the screen. You pop out of that cylinder and you're in heaven. Right, right. Heaven is real and it's right here in central Ohio, one of Delaware County's 18 townships. Harlem Township at 10.43 p.m. It's a sight to see. You really won't believe it. It's so cold and there's no one there. <laughs> With the way things are these days, isn't that the perfect place to be right. anyway? I love it. I mean, I'll be real with you. I love it. <laughs> well, if you haven't already, patreon.com slash University. That's where you get access to the Discord. All the episodes you haven't heard yet. Thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you soon. I don't think I said Dracula this episode yet. Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> Good night. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>